welcome to episode 62 of Girl Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Robin B. And uh, I'm sorry for everybody listening, but I'm I'm Willa Rowe. I'm back. Yeah, Zoe couldn't make it this week, so we have a special replacement guest. Uh, her name is Willa. <laughs> I've been allowed to come back. She's Zoe's After girlfriend. I don't know if she knows anything about video games, but I guess we'll find out. Arguably not. <laughs> Uh, welcome back, Willa. How was your week off? What did you do with your uh, your vacation? I I slept in. I oh. laid around in bed. So, so <laughs> it nice. was great. I don't know why Zoe complains about when I'm recording the podcast because when <laughs> Zoe was recording, I just hung out and did nothing. It was leisurely. That sounds fantastic. I wish I could just hang out in bed while this recording was happening. I'm like so mad about Zoe being on the podcast because it got so many interactions on social media. It got, it's like one of our best performing episodes, like quickly, Mm -hmm. like on, on our like stats that we can see. I don't like this. The people love Zoe. Yeah. The people, Zoe keeps calling herself the people's princess. She's the first one to, she's the first person to ever call themselves the people's princess. Yeah, I kept sending her because we kept getting messages from like, like friends of the show or like listeners being like, Mm -hmm. man, Zoe was so great. And I'm like, how about everybody shut the fuck up? What about Willa? How's Willa? It's given Zoe, it's given Zoe an even bigger head. Yeah, that's just what she needed. She's always so down Mm -hmm. on herself, you know? (laughs) What she likes to say is that she's chill and low maintenance. I, I think everyone who listened to last week's episode can see that's absolutely true. Yeah, I, I, I also want to be clear. Last week's episode almost ended our relationship. <laughs> no. Why? Purely because, purely because of the fucking slander she had to say about the Last Guardian and Trico. Yeah, that was some rough content. I'm so mad about this. I like messaged her in like all caps. I was like, this is that little fucking, freak. That li- that little freak that she hopes dies. I'm so mad about this. Yeah, it was pretty fucked up. <sighs> it was She's very, very problematic. Up. Maybe she'll get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can. Maybe that's let's go into prediction. My first prediction is that Zoe's gonna get canceled this year. <laughs> Uh, I did like her predictions. I loved her predictions. My favorite one is the Miss Piggy one. Really just, she, the beautiful mind of Zoe produced some, that one was the best. I think the thing is, I don't even think that's like wild. Like it was, I don't either. It's a stroke of genius. And then you hear it and you're like, this makes so much sense. That's what made it so funny is because it sounds wild on its face. Then you think about it for your one second and you're like, actually, that's a good idea. They should yeah. do that. I'll be sad if they don't now. Yeah, I think Jeff Keeley Zoe is, abl- uh, is available for consulting on the Game Awards for yeah. a reasonable fee. If you want to bring in Miss Piggy or stop hosting the show, uh, I would support both of those decisions. Oh my God, Zoe, Zoe hosts the Game Awards. Oh my God. Yes, this is what the people demand. Uh, if you're listening, we're going to circulate our petition to have Zoe host the Game Awards. You'll find the link in the show notes. <laughs> email your congressperson now that i'm back we can do our predictions mm-hmm. so i don't know how you want to do this if you want to just like go back and forth and just kind of run through them i have five and then a sixth bonus one that is kind of a joke but oh, okay. it was too good it was too good to not say sure i only have five but i can think of a sixth bonus one if, if okay. that sounds fun 
Yeah. Um, yeah, let's just go back and forth. Um, nice. Would you like to do the honors and start? Yeah, I'll start. So my first prediction for 2024 is last year I had a prediction about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth not killing mm-hmm. Aerith. First off, this is this is just a little side a tangent. This is a tangent. There are a lot of podcasts that I listen to, gaming podcasts, and they treat Aerith dying as a spoiler. And they like hide it. They're like, you know, that scene or that mm-hmm. moment or like there are podcasts that will just like bleep out Aerith's name so that you don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, let's all stop fucking around. Yeah. Like, we're not treating that as a spoiler. If anything, also, the knowledge of the original game's plot line is integral to liking the remake trilogy more. It's actually, so, like, fairly important to know that. To it's fairly even understand important. what's going on with the remake. I don't care. We are not going... I will not succumb to peer pressure to treat Aerith's death as a spoiler. No, I feel like we've never really cared that much about spoilers. Like, yeah. I think the only time, like, we've put warnings before if it's, like, new games, but... Yeah, but this game came out in 1997. <laughs> right. That's past the statute of limitations, for sure. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like, we're not going to bleep it out if we say that is Luke Skywalker's dad, either. Like, these are just things yeah. that we know. So, my first prediction is Final Fantasy VII Rebirth will explicitly show that it is a it is a sequel to the original, and we will interact with a character from the original. And what I mean by this, what I really mean by this is, like, I want it to be textually made clear that, like, beyond, like, loose theories, that this is essentially kind of like a, like, an alternate universe that is technically a sequel to the original Final Fantasy VII because of like, for example, let's say it's like Sephiroth's mind in the life stream, like was able to project himself to an alternate history or whatever Mm -hmm. and fuck things up. Or like you meet Aerith's consciousness in the life stream and she's like, this has all happened before. Sephiroth's trying to fuck things up, blah, 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 blah. It has to be kind of like explicitly be made clear that a character that you interact with has like knowledge and is like from the timeline of the original game. I don't think I need to. I feel like the the most likely place we'll see it is like Aerith or Sephiroth is probably who it would be just based yeah. on how who they are as characters. But that's my first prediction. Is that is that specific enough and like clear enough that that is? I think okay. it's clear. Yeah, I think it's. I think. I would be surprised if that didn't happen, to be honest. Uh, I mean, we all have been, like, thinking it, but it's kind of up in the air. Also, this is going to be a trilogy of games, Mm -hmm. and, like... Oh, yeah, they could wait for the the big reveal that everyone... Anyway, I'm not trying to uh, poo-poo your prediction. I'm just saying (laughs) I think that's that's a pretty likely one. Yeah, I guess I'll go into one of mine, then. Um, uh, I think so, so... I told you earlier this week, one of my predictions was going to be, so at the beginning of this year, uh, the president of Square Enix put out this letter that said that the company was going all in, you know, going very aggressive on AI this year and, you know, insinuated that they were going to start using it for like production stuff. And then maybe down the line, we'll see it in like generative AI show up in their games. So my prediction was going to be, we are actually going to see generative AI used in a Square Enix game this year. Uh, that happened <laughs> that this happened week. already. So... I'm changing that prediction slightly to be we will see uh, a publisher, any publisher, use generative AI in a game that we already know. So like 
the new entry of like a big franchise or something like mm-hmm. not just a new random game that no one really cares about, but like a a game that like people actually have some love for already will use generative AI. Uh, yeah, and okay. People will freak out about it. I think that's a fair fair prediction. A fair tweak. <laughs> Since yeah. my my <laughs> amazing powers to predict the future have now become good. just me telling you what already happened. Yeah. My second prediction is that the Legend of Zelda movie will lose its director in 2024. Uh, We know it has a director attached to it. It's the Maze Runner guy, I'm pretty sure. Uh, But I think in the course of 2024, during like production, whatever, something's going to happen and he's going to drop out. This is my prediction. Okay. My next one is, again, somewhat vague, like a, a major publisher will announce layoffs suspiciously close to a union action and have an unfair labor practice filed against them by the NLRB. Okay, not to be like too annoying, but I feel like that's kind of a foregone conclusion because I feel like that happens a lot already. Does it? I kind of feel like it does. It would require... What appears to be retaliatory action and for a complaint to actually be filed. So not just for people to say this is suspicious, but for the labor board to okay. start a case against them. If that's too vague, I can come up with another one. No, I'll I feel let like it that slide. doesn't happen that often. Okay. I'll let it slide. I feel like we're always inundated with union busting and like layoff news though. So we are, but it's it's generally I think tends to be more in like speculative. Okay, I'll let it pass. <laughs> you you get Thanks. a pass. It also has to be specifically layoffs. It can't yes. be just it can't be just general bullshittery, which is like much mm-hmm. more common. My next prediction is that Elden Ring: Shadow of the Erdtree will be nominated for the best RPG award at the Game Awards. And this is one that I wanted to like. I don't know how specific or like if I have to raise the stakes at all on this, but we can talk about that. I think 2024 is a big enough year for RPGs to say that a nomination is not a sure thing so yeah. that it's a reasonable prediction. Yeah, because I was thinking that seems pretty like it's going to happen. And then like right as you were saying that, I was like, oh, actually, there's a lot of RPGs coming out this year. I but think then that's... we can already think about like, you know, Infinite Wealth is coming out. Persona 3 Reload is coming out. Final Fantasy 7 Rebirth is coming out. Allegedly, Metaphor Refantatio is coming out this year. Like, there are uh-huh. enough big RPGs, I think, to say that this would be a stretch. And yeah, and you're saying it's specifically going to be RPG, whereas I could see it mm-hmm. slipping in somewhere else if people think there's too many RPG nominations. Okay, I like it. Okay, cool. My next prediction is one of the millions of announced um, League of Legends spinoffs will be canceled this year. Whether it's the MMO the fighting game mm-hmm. i think one of the one of the big ones that's like been announced yeah, yeah. not like some vague news of like oh we were working on something and now it's gone away but like something yeah. they've talked about already will be canceled i hope it's not the fighting game i actually am excited for that <laughs> yeah i think that'll be interesting i'm not I, I we you know i'm not a fighting game girly but i think that mm-hmm. looks like that could be an interesting game like there's i don't know i think there's been a lot of fighting games lately that have made me be like oh, i wish i liked fighting games like the Grand Blue Fantasy one we were talking about. Yeah, two Bs in that one. I know. Very exciting. I'll easily drop the money for that game. 
Uh, okay, yeah. My next prediction is that, and this makes me so upset to say this because I feel like this is maybe likely, Atlas will announce the female protagonist as paid DLC for Persona 3 Reload. Ooh, that's a good and one. That would this suck. Is, so I have two things about this. I really think this is a 50-50 shot because I think there are two things that could happen knowing Atlas. Mm-hmm. One, this does happen and it's like 30 bucks you get the female protagonist. Or, and this is the other case, is that two years from now they per- they release Persona 3 Reload Royal or whatever they want to call it and they're like, also now we've added the female mm-hmm. protagonist. Because, you know, Persona games typically get a like definitive release and persona 3 reload sure as fuck isn't definitive so this is i think atlas is kind of shitty enough to do this yeah so we'll see uh my next one is nintendo will release nintendogs for the switch 2 this year this is just gonna tie in with zoe it's gonna be a vr game on the switch i would absolutely play switcheroo dogs vr that would be yeah. so sick yes i love this it's so time to bring back nintendo for nintendogs oh my god you're so right i Thank want you. this one to come true this was the first prediction i came up with i was like i want nintendogs i'm gonna make it a prediction yeah they should bring back cooking mama as well <laughs> yeah they should make it not have like malware that makes your computer explode yeah. this time too <laughs> i forget what that story was but do you remember that no was this like the the like ios game or like the mobile game or something yeah there was i don't remember the details there was some cooking mama game that was like let me look this up really quickly i could be confusing it with something else oh it was accused of having a crypto miner cooking mama cookstar was accused of being a malicious crypto miner after the game was pulled (laughs) damn interesting anyway i hope that doesn't happen yeah uh, okay, my fifth real prediction. This is like my last of my like real predictions. Yoko Taro will announce a new video game and it will not be like a mobile game. It will be okay, a, okay. a true like console game. That's the prediction. Fingers crossed it's like in the Dragon Guard near universe, but that's not part of the prediction. Because if you want to play a game that's in the near universe, but isn't auto- uh, Automata or Replicant or Dragon Guard, you guys should just be playing near reincarnation. Have you been playing that? Yeah, I've been diving into it more lately. Is it good? I like it. It is near three. It's so good. Hmm. <laughs> I like it. But anyways, my dream is that Yoko Taro will announce a new like full-fledged game. There are rumors it might happen. He's teased it a little yeah. bit last year. but Yeah, I thought about that for, for one of mine too. I was like, hmm, that'd be interesting. Because there has been a, some sort of rumblings of of a new thing, which, which would he be was at a He was at a like a like a a convention last year with the producer that he's worked with on like mm-hmm. near automata and everything somebody asked them about like a new game and he was like we don't have anything to announce right now but we may be working on some projects together yeah i remember that very exciting my final one is uh, a great injustice will be corrected and in the year 2024 vr will get hats that is my prediction in Final Fantasy fourteen, we will get to wear hats. I, listen, I legitimately don't think you're going to get a point for this. <laughs> okay, we also have to make it clear. I think the only way this works is if they, like, introduced a full new system where it's like, this is no longer a problem. This is, we are no longer second class citizens of, you know, of the game. You can wear any hat. 
right? Like it has to be the system is fixed and you can wear any hat. I don't know if it's any hat, but I think they have to go back and and say maybe there's a couple exceptions. Maybe there's like whatever. But then but then that's like still a se- it's like still a, a half measure. I don't know. I think I think for the point to work, it has to be that they like fix the system and that we can wear all hats. Why would that be the case? Because if they aren't fixing the entire system, it's not really a true fix for Vieira and Rothgar. It's just a half measure of, hey, you can wear some of them now. And maybe it's even a lot, but it's not all of them. Yeah, but we're like predicting what we think is going to happen, not what we want to happen. Whatever. I. Th- th- but then what do you, you don't have a way to measure. But then you don't have a way to measure that. What is it? They like a hundred hats? They will announce that they've fixed the majority of the hats for Vieira's. Okay. Vieira can wear hats with maybe a few exceptions. I can't believe this is so contentious. You're. We'll have out to of your judge mind. it. We'll have to judge it if it happens. I. But I don't think that'll even come no, to that. No, I don't. So. I it probably won't. I don't know why you're being so against this idea. Because I have, I ha- we live by a code, Robin, no, and we, we must have laws to abide by, or else we are just animals. One of my predictions is Nintendogs. I'm clearly not. Listen, like, some people, some people who will you know go unnamed, maybe willy-nilly about points when it comes to end of year this stuff is and not predictions crazy. but <laughs> that's like me saying you need to like tell me what game yoko taro is going to announce uh, that is not the same yes it is you're you're basically saying and eh, maybe they'll fix some hats no i'm saying they will that's how predictions work <sighs> whatever Anyway, this is just this just means we're going to get into a if this happens we're going to get into a conversation about what is the correct number of hats I don't think we will. I think this is very clear. It's not going to be them like, here's six hats. It's them going, hey, Vera can wear hats. And maybe like this one has something that makes it not work. Okay. This is not, this is like very clear. Fine. We'll move on. This is just my bonus one. Um, This was actually (laughs) one of the first predictions I came up with, but it was like, it's such a joke prediction that I'm like, I'm not going to include in my full ones, but I want to say it because I think it's hilarious. (laughs) Okay. Metaphor Refentatio will not have homophobic undertones in its story. That actually feels like your most out there prediction of this is Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think if that one comes true, you automatically win. <laughs> <laughs> just because it's the most out there. Yeah, because it's just like, that's like me saying, you know, Nintendo will buy the International <laughs> Space Station. <laughs> Which is, in fact, my sixth prediction. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, what a good list. Lots of shit's gonna get canceled and go wrong, but we will get Nintendo dogs and hats. So I hope. Listen, who can say I whether love, it's good or not. I would love for Vieira to get hats. Me too. I I think I think I'm so tired of living as a second class citizen. It's absurd. I just there's like specific hats that I was thinking of when I made this prediction. When I was like, exactly. I just, just want to wear specific, that hat. And when those specific five hats get added and you can wear them, you're going to be like, look, my prediction came no, true. I'm, Bella, you're being insane. <laughs> I've, this is so clear of a prediction. <laughs> I do not sure. understand. I do not understand your hang up. Whatever. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. What are we moving on to? 
So, oh wait, so wait, what's the, what are we, what are we even playing for? Are we doing no the thing idea. where whoever has the two highest scores hosts the thing? Man, I don't know. We have to come up with something good, I feel like. We can decide later. Yeah, I mean, I know we stole this entire format from Triple Click, so we mm-hmm. could always just steal what their, like, you know, stakes are, but... What are which is stakes? that the winner the winner gets to choose a game that everybody else has to play in the next year. That sounds dangerous. Because if you win, you could make us all play Persona. I would never do that. And I just, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Although I would love to see what game Zoe makes us all play, though. It would be like one of the Dark Parables games or something. Which I think would be a great idea. Which I have played some of them with her. They are fun. Nice. I don't know. I mean, we have time to come up with stakes, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we don't need to do it now. We just need to do it, like, before the winner is decided. I feel like we need to evolve the stakes from last year's. Okay. Did we want to move on to our, like, pseudo-topic for this episode, or do we want to just, like, do a catch-up since I've been gone for so long? Yeah, I mean, the, the topic is kind of a catch-up because it's been, like, we skipped a week and then Zoe recorded last week, so, like... It's been essentially like three weeks since we've had like a normal episode and there has been kind of a lot of stuff happening. I think maybe because we just had a very uh, normal, civil, friendly discussion about Final Fantasy 14, maybe we should talk about uh, FanFest, which yeah, sure. happened the week that we took off. Which we realized every time there's been a fan fest, we've like taken off. It's been our curse. The first time I was moving that week. Yeah. And then this time we didn't record. And there's Mm -hmm. always a fan fest whenever we don't Mm -hmm. have an episode. Uh, Yeah, but fan fest. I mean, I think the big things is Pictomancer, Mm -hmm. which looks cool as hell. It looks so cute. I'm very excited. It makes me want to learn DPS. I'm very excited. Have you never leveled a DPS class, really? Not really. <laughs> I thought you played Dancer for a bit. I have played Dancer a little bit, but, like, not enough to really, like, mm. fully... Yeah, my my strange thought on it, and I think it's just because... Is, is basically, like, ever since I was a kid and was playing MMOs or anything, I have always been a healer. So I've just always defaulted to healer because, to me, my brain just, like, it works like that. And I'm like, I get what I need to do as a healer. It's it's kind of easy in my head. I'm like, cool. I can Tank scares me and I will never touch it. And yep. then DPS is, I don't know what it is. It's like DPS is still too stressful for me. Whereas while I'm a healer, I'm like, I can just do my thing and it's fine. So I get that. With DPS, there's like rotations to remember. Where healer yeah. is, is a little more like you're getting feedback about what to do it's like that person needs healed Mm -hmm. as opposed to like memorizing this thing to do and like yeah that that tracks to me but yeah the pictomancer looks really cool like we were talking after maybe it was after the last fan fest when they and they announced dawn trail about what we would like to see in new classes or or no that was a listener question at some point i think what classes we would like to do yeah to see in in final fantasy 14 and I think one thing that I talked about was wanting like a debuffer class, like a, a more like support oriented DPS to kind of go along with like we have the sort of buffer support classes like the dancer and the bard and like a more like debuff centric one. And it looks like that could be part of the Pictomancer's kit at any rate. I don't know whether it does, it's the full yeah. thing or not. Um, it's also just really neat. I want to fight. With I the love paintbrush. the animations for it. Also, yeah. they like look like drawings basically it's like there's it's so different from the rest of the classes Mm -hmm. like it's 
it feels like the biggest kind of like thematic leap that they've made with it, with it. Like it, it doesn't really look like it belongs to the same world in some ways, which I think is yeah. like an interesting swing for them to take. We also got the announcement of the new limited job class. Yeah. Which is Beastmaster. I'm really confused by this kind of. <laughs> I'm curious about it for sure. Because like my thing is, and I know like these these jobs don't have to work exactly like they traditionally do in the rest of the franchise, but like the current limited job is Blue Mage and it's about collecting spells by like fighting monsters, blah, 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 blah. And traditionally, I feel like Beastmaster and Blue Mage are kind of interchangeable in the franchise because they mm-hmm. both they both have to do with essentially like you are gathering skills from enemies in the world that then you can utilize in combat. So I don't know how they're going to have variation between Beastmaster and Blue Mage. It is. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder if they'll just make it more of a pet class. That's what I was wondering, which I'm like, because that has gone so well for Final Fantasy XIV, first off. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's kind of like they they tried (laughs) to do that with summoner and then they were just like and then they completely let's actually make this not it. a beast class or not a pet <laughs> class at all um so maybe they're like okay we've worked out the kinks we figured mm-hmm. out how to do this i think it would be cool like it it does feel like a thing that like every mmo has kind of and final fantasy doesn't so it, it does feel like it's kind of filling a gap and so in that sense it does make sense for it to be a limited job too because it's like it does feel outside of the sort of like balance of every other class. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it'll be like blue mage. It'll be interesting to see how like people use it to like almost break the game and just do fun (laughs) solo runs and stuff like that. Yeah. Like all blue mage parties of like ultimates. Yeah. I still think we should level some blue mage at some point. I think that would be fun. Okay. Did they announce anything else? I mean, they showed the graphics update, which Looks fine. I'm not mad about it. They showed that new character. Oh, wait, female Rothgar. Oh, yeah. How could you Very forget? exciting news. I don't know how yeah. I would forget. I just, I feel like they've always been with us, you know? I can't imagine <laughs> a world without them. Yeah. Yeah, they showed female Rothgar, and it's just the best. <laughs> I love them so I'm much. so happy for you. They look so good. Oh, the thing they did show, which I think is is fun, kind of, is they showed off a lot of new, like, areas and stuff, and people were shocked to see that there was, like, all these, like, cyberpunk, futuristic sci-fi cities, yes. which, like, isn't out of the realm, obviously, for Final Fantasy XIV. I mean, so much of A Realm Reborn has, like, a lot of that shit. It's just, we have not seen any of that so far for Dawn Trail. It's just been this, like, new world, tropical vacation vibe, and now they're just like, and here's, like... A city that looks like it's from Tron. Yeah. I think that it's a city is a big thing, too, because there's been, like, tons of Magitech, like, stuff in the world or mm-hmm. whatever. But this is, like, a whole location that just, like, feels like a different, yeah, totally different vibe, which is interesting. It's weird. I am excited, and I like the idea of this just being the vacation expansion. I think MMOs should, like, feel more free to do stuff like that, because... It's fun, but uh, I am I'm legitimately still worried about how this expansion is going to handle its story, um, especially after like Final Fantasy 16 and just like the track record of elements of Stormblood and yes. Heavensward even. Uh, it's going to be 
fun. The fact that they refer to it as the new world is like incredibly I troubling. Know. I don't like, know who who thought that was a good idea. Yeah. Instead it's, of just being like, yeah, it's just that continent over there that we just haven't gone to. It's just a bunch of other people who aren't like racially inferior to the people <laughs> we've met. So like the messaging around this has been so bizarre. It does make me very worried. Like I want a beach episode. I don't want colonialism. And that yeah. feels more like what we're getting. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe it will be surprisingly well handled. But I think the fact that that would be surprising is in itself a problem. Like, it, yeah, it feels like it's veering towards some pretty fucked up territory. Mm-hmm. And that makes me very worried. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else they announced? I mean, we got Naoki the Xbox version. Oh, yeah. Naoki Yoshida in a suit. That was great. <laughs> the biggest I surprise of that. all. Did you see all the memes where people have been making him look like a Yakuza boss? Yes. My favorite ones were like, oh, no, that's not Inoki Yoshida. That's that's uh, Yoshida-san, the producer of Final Fantasy 16. <laughs> yeah. Or they would show a picture of him in like a T-shirt and they were like, this is the director of Final Fantasy 14. And then picture of him in the suit. This is the producer mm. of Final Fantasy 16. None of that was <laughs> this, great. Is, this is the guy that he had to go to to approve the <laughs> yes. crossover. Oh, man. Very fun. Mm hmm. I mean, yeah, I'm excited for a new expansion, but we'll see. Yeah, is that kind of all we saw? I think it probably was. That's all I can uh, remember anyway. I mean, they showed off like there's going to be some new raids and ultimates, blah, 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 blah. But yeah. Um, and actually, the isn't the 11 crossover coming soon? It is coming back. I think it's actually the 22nd, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's like literally this week. Yeah, the Maiden's Rhapsody is this week, which is something they've done before and is like a really yeah. cool event. Oh, but the, was, oh no, they're doing like a Final Fantasy Eleven like raid series. Yeah, there's like a new yeah okay, and that's, that's going to okay. be that's, so that's going to be coming come in until the yeah Dawn Trail. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> yeah, because I remember seeing some stuff about a crossover happening this week, and I was like, oh yeah, and I forgot that it's you. Twenty twenty four is a big year for Final Fantasy Eleven. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was trying to think of, like, one of my predictions. I was like, is Final Fantasy XI going to have a comeback? But then, like, how do we, you know, quantify that? Because I don't think they're going to, like, add another expansion or anything. But, like, yeah. there could be some way to do it. Mm -hmm. You haven't done this. I haven't done the Maiden's or... Rhapsody. It's cool. I think you should do it. It's, there's, like, obviously, like, you and I both, like, miss a lot of it having not seen this stuff although we started playing final fantasy 11 and we have seen we just left character off when we saw the character who is the star of maiden's rhapsody i'm really actually like that's one of the big reasons i kind of want to play more of 11 to like see that storyline because i feel like this crossover will resonate a lot more like it already feels like you can kind of feel the emotion in it even if you're mm -hmm. not quite sure what it's referencing yeah so it would be nice to see like what the actual story is i agree i'm i'm excited um, yeah, so I mean, we could talk we, a little bit about that. Like, we started our journey into Final Fantasy. About 11. Final Fantasy XI. Oh my god, twenty twenty four is the year of Final Fantasy XI. We are so back. This game fucks. It's we so spent, great. <laughs> like a couple of hours playing, by which I mean so, <laughs> we spent an hour logging in. 
And then we spent an hour figuring out the controls. And then we spent an hour punching like a hundred bumblebees to death to get to level five. Yeah. So, so the way this started is that I got it and I did the install process, which took me like two hours and was a shit show. And I wrote about it. So great. Um, but the best thing that came out of that for me after like downloading it is I downloaded it all and then I didn't even start the game because I was like, this was two hours of my life. I need a break. And mm-hmm. I published an article about it. And then I got so many responses from the Final Fantasy XI community, but none of them were like, how dare you be mean to this game? You just don't get it. Everybody's like, yeah, the login process is shit. It's really hard. You can you can lose yourself in the, like early on in this game, but like trust me, it's so worth it. We love having new players. If you, I had like multiple people email me being like, "I am this is my name. I am on this server. If you ever need tips or like tricks, like reach out. I'd be happy to help." I was like, "This game is so good, amazing." <laughs> and then I got you to get it finally, and then we started playing together made our characters and then we spent like an hour trying to figure out how to like friend request each other and start a party (laughs) i could not believe how complicated it was just to like get on each other's friend lists yeah and just like navigate all the menus (laughs) yeah i will say we were talking just earlier with with noah from press start about this about how good the play online launcher is i it's so cool it is the most like of its time thing in the world like it's so old school internet like as soon like i had actually played a little bit of final fantasy 11 when it was like around the first time but that was before there was a lot of quality of life stuff so like playing on your own was just not possible and Mm -hmm. i just wasn't gonna talk to strangers to like figure out how to play the game so i was immediately hit with this wave of nostalgia on seeing the play online launcher both from like having used it before and it just like it encapsulates so much of that era of like graphic design and like what the internet felt like it's, it's worth it just to see that launcher. I think yeah. like it's, it's I so think, cool. I think we should all stop using discord and start using play online. Hell yes. Yeah. And I do like that you mentioned, but we also, I also got Noah to buy the game. <laughs> yes. He has now surpassed us actually. Yeah, I know we haven't gotten back into it cause we've been busy, you know, yes. reviewing shit, but yeah, it's like the final fantasy 11 hive is happening. It's it is, We are so back. If you're listening, you should also buy Final Fantasy XI. <laughs> if you're listening, you should find us on the Bahamut server. We both tweeted about it. Yeah. We should add that to our, um, what's it oh, called? Oh, to our show notes. Our, like, no, what's the link thing? Our link tree. Our link tree, yeah. yeah. Here's how to find us in Final Fantasy That's a great 11. idea. It seems cool, though. I'm. We're both very, I mean, like, we, we've been talking about this for a while. I think, like... Just because Final Fantasy XI is such a weird cultural artifact, like I wrote about it a while ago, mm-hmm. and obviously we're with big fans of fourteen, so it just like has been in our orbit for so long. I th- I'm really excited to like get into it and just like have this bizarre experience again. It's so unique, and it's like this feeling of being super excited to just explore this world. I like haven't yeah. had that kind of feeling in a while, just because it's it's so different. Like yes. it's the 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 game design mentality is just unrecognizable in in and there's so many reasons i love it and there's also yeah. it's so lovable to experience so many of its insane frustrations that are like yes. made clearly to just make you have to play a lot mm-hmm. like our favorite thing i <laughs> 
was like after we killed the first like enemy that we went to mm-hmm. fight and it dropped a treasure chest and we were like oh good now we're just going to click on this treasure chest and it's going to open and we're going to get some loot and instead we clicked on the treasure chest and it said guess the combination for this treasure chest so yeah, that every you can get chest. what's inside it every, <laughs> every chest single has a chest. two has like a two digit code and you have a set amount of attempts to unlock it and you you can either investigate the lock to get clues which are or like attempt so to unlock it yeah and every time you do one of those things you lose an attempt so Oftentimes you get to the point where it's like, I know the first number is even, and I know the second number is six, eight, or nine. And then you just have to guess. <laughs> and then you guess wrong, and the game's just like, oh, guess the nope. chest is gone. No loot for you. Yeah. You don't get that mana potion or whatever. Or what did you we don't get? get? We the kept apple getting juice. like apple juice. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing that really uh, stood out for me about the like design mentality side of it was when we tr- we got lost after we were fighting bees we tried to go back to town and ended up going in the wrong direction and we like immediately outside of there we ran into some enemies that were just like way too high level for us to beat and they aggroed us which is like not really a thing that final fantasy 14 does like mm-hmm. you can run through most mobs with no problem and you like almost died just because we they got just too kept close, following and kept, they kept hitting, running until we got into town, and then even when we got into town, one of them had like poisoned you or something. Yeah. So we were like watching this cutscene, and I, you were still losing health as the cutscene was going, <laughs> and it's just like such a different experience from Final. And mm-hmm. then if you had died, you would have lost experience points. Yeah. Just like, and then I had to kneel. And sit there yes. so that I can you have heal. to just like sit down. Thankfully, for a I could also cure myself breath. because I'm a white mage. But yeah. but yeah, it's just such a different experience. Um, Great game, I, I love yeah. it. I'm obsessed. I think we're both like very excited to play more. So I expect yeah. to hear more about that when we don't have a million games to review. Yeah. What but other yeah, things have I, we been up to? Yeah, I mean, I guess speaking of that, like some of the new stuff we've been playing. My first review of the year right yeah my first <laughs> yes i can't remember what i've done my first review of the year uh came out like i don't know a couple of weeks ago or something it's the new prince of persia game the lost crown which as i was playing you know sometimes you get the feeling where you're like i bet that i like this game less than most people like we as we've talked about before there's like a certain style of game that tends to score really well sort of, I don't know, the tone and style of a game can kind of net us some points. And I don't even mean that in a bad way. Like, I mean, there's a certain type of thing and a type of polish that, like, appeals to most people. And you can kind of play those games sometimes and be like, I'm not really digging this, but I bet everyone else is going to. I was surprised by how big the gap was between my enjoyment and so many other people's. Inverse always has to have the sicko scores. (laughs) Inverse always. One of my favorite, like things that I've ever seen. Someone was like trying to be shitty about a review that I wrote. And they said um, they call the site inverse because they always give the score the inverse of what everyone else does. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense, but it's just, it's kind of funny. Like it's a good line. But they really went off with that comment. It was, yeah, it's a good line. So yeah, I gave it, like, I thought it was fine. But the thing that I thought was really interesting was that like, it is a mechanically very good game. Like there's very good combat in this game. And 
when it asks you to do sort of platforming puzzles, they're excellent. Like in these very isolated chunks, there are these like minute long sort of platforming sections you have to do where it's like nonstop and you're using like all of your skills in your your toolbox and stuff. And at those moments, like it is really a thrilling game. But for me, like, I mean, the story is like <laughs> nonsense. It is uh, such a nothing story. Structurally, I don't think it worked at all. Like the fact that it's a Metroidvania, I think it's always really works against it because I don't think the world is very interesting. And I think that while you're traversal abilities are interesting when it comes to platforming puzzles. I don't think they work very well when it comes to just moving through the world, which is also a factor of, I don't think the world design is very interesting. A lot of people disagree with me about that, but because of like that thing where I could recognize, like there's a lot of well-made stuff in this game, but it doesn't work for me. It made me really go like, what do I want in a Metroidvania? Like, what is this genre to me? Why do I like this genre so much, but I don't like this game? So yeah, I think we just want to talk a little bit about Metroidvanias. I think we've played, we both each played a lot of them. I ended up this past week, I've played several of them just to like try to teach myself what it was that I was yeah. missing. But I'm curious about your general experience with this genre. Yeah, the Metroidvania genre for me is a genre that like I've played a lot of, but it's never a genre I consider to be like my favorite because I always do think they're they're much more focused on mechanics where I I just really like good stories. I do like mechanics, but I do need a story sometimes. Uh, but I've played so many Metroidvanias. I mean, the obvious one that I always think about and come back to is like, I spent so many hours playing Hollow Knight because I just got so, so obsessed with that. And I really like when Metroidvanias just have a really... I get invested in their worlds because it's like the the way the worlds are, you know, presented in good Metroidvania is like really helps my desire to want to actually navigate every corner of the map and explore them. And then like when the game has really, really fine-tuned, good feeling, like platforming and movement, it just makes it all come together. And, you know, Hollow Knight is, is like the easy example to think of, but like I think of Hollow Knight uh, as one of those things because like unraveling everything in Hollow Knight is so rewarding, both in like for narrative in unraveling what's actually happening in the world, but also just being like, I have cleared you know, I can look at the entire map when I pull it up and just see all these little corners that I've gotten to. And they're very fun to just like spend time in. I feel like I've tried to get more of appreciation of them over time, especially more recently. Thanks to you uh, putting me on to certain series that I'm sure mm -hmm. we'll talk about. But yeah. Yeah. Before we get to that one, I do want to, I, I think Hollow Knight is like the fucking like s tier example like i've been playing too many gotcha games and the phrase s tier has like yeah. grained itself into my brain lately i know it's like easy to say at this point and i think we're so far re like removed from the release of hollow knight now where it's like everybody just says hollow knight is good but i don't think we recall exactly like how actually fucking excellent yes. that game is it's like so perfect yeah Sometimes the general consensus is just right. Like there's a reason sometimes why everyone agrees on something. And Hollow Knight is one of those cases. Like it is an absolutely superlative game. Like it is, it is fantastic. And I think something that you said there is one of the sort of, the sort of conclusions that I came to about what makes Metroidvanias work for me. And I think it's not so much about the 
quality of like the like the story doesn't necessarily need to be like the most moving, you know, gripping thing I've ever seen. But I think the way that they present their stories is very important. And I think Metroidvanias work best when they have a story like Hollow Knights, where a lot of it is pretty obscure. And it's it's not necessarily just them kind of sitting you down and telling you, like, here's what happened at every step. It's about as you explore the world, you learn more about it and more about its history. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that works so well is that that's also what you're doing with the gameplay. As you move through a Metroidvania, you're gaining new abilities, which allow you to access new parts of the world. You're also gaining skill as you play it, so you can use those abilities better. And so the sort of farther you progress through one of these games, like the more you're able to go to new areas and like tackle new challenges and see new things. And so when the narrative is the same way, where it requires you to like put in a bit of the work and like it unravels it slowly and you need to like get over these sort of like checkpoints to get to it. Like there's an obstacle that you need to overcome in order to get to the next section of story. I think that like blends the way that you play and the way that the story works really well. And it doesn't necessarily have to be like that challenging, but I think that sort of that type of progression mm-hmm. where it's not just a linear story being told, but it's about you accumulating knowledge as you accumulate abilities I think works so well in this genre. Yeah, I think there's a real rewarding of like player memory and mm-hmm. paying attention. And that's something I really, really love. Um, just from the idea of like, it actually requires the player to, if the player's like playing to the fullest or whatever that means, um, not that there's a wrong way to play, what, but you know, um, you are like getting in your own head as you play a sense of the world and how it is best to navigate it where it's like, obviously Metroidvanias are so reliant on the map and the world you're in, but you get to a point. I feel like when you play a Metroidvania that you know, well, where you're like, I have an internal map in my actual mind and I know how to navigate this world beyond just like, because it makes sense. It's not, it doesn't have like the weird video game dream logic of so many maps that are like not actually connected and they don't have a consistency in like how things work. But in a Metroidvania, it's like, this all makes sense. This is all laid out. This You can you can figure out this map yourself and like how best to traverse it to like help you along if you pay yeah. attention. And I love that rewarding of like having the player actually think about the space they're moving through. Yeah. Like there are entire sections of Hollow Knight that I know by heart. Like I can remember like, a, a sequence of like a dozen screens at various points that you move through and remember like every detail of of those rooms and that map. Like yeah. it's it's so well designed in that way. And I think like it's both like the way that those rooms connect and the way that they are built themselves, where it's not just about just having a bunch of stuff in a room. It's about like variation in the way that they're laid out and like sort of little mini challenges in all of them where you need to like you know, put in a little effort to move through every little step of the world, which then makes it even more rewarding when you get more abilities because those things that were once... I've, I've also... This is also... I've hit on one of my discoveries of things that I love in Metroidvanias is where the things that were once extremely challenging when you have to go back through those areas again at a certain point become completely trivial. Mm-hmm. So, like, a room that you, you know, you died in six times in the early game is now like you can breeze through without thinking about it because you've both gotten more powerful and better at the game. I think that's like a very rewarding thing. 
that's one of the things that I got from playing Momodora Moonlit Farewell this week, which is a game that you're also playing right now. The one you, the series you referenced as a minute ago was Momodora. We both are huge fans of Reverie Under the Moonlight, which is the previous Momodora game. And yeah, and then this like this past week, Moonlit Farewell came out and I played the whole thing over the weekend. I just did basically nothing but play this game. I love this game. Um, and it does a lot of those things. Like it has that sort of, uh, I literally, <laughs> I told you this earlier, but when I started playing, I started a doc called Why Momodora Moonlit Farewell is Better Than Prince of Persia The Lost Crown, <laughs> which is where I just sort of like collected some thoughts about like why this game worked for me and the other one didn't. Mm-hmm. And it was that it was like it's a very um, quick but incremental increase of power. Like there's tons of power ups throughout the world where you're like getting more attack power and getting more health and getting all this stuff. So you there's like this constant feeling of getting more powerful. There's that sense of map memory where you can kind of even if you just look at the map, you remember what's in each of those rooms. So, you know, what's the best route to take to each of these places? It has that kind of like unfolding story. Um, and I think it's like, it's really interesting to me that like mechanically it's much simpler. Like the combat in Prince of Persia is way more technical and like interesting than it is in Moonlit Farewell, but Moonlit Farewell's combat like suits it so well. I don't know. There's just something about it that really like works with the world. It's also, I mean, it's also a gorgeous, Gorgeous looking game. Like it's I so could pretty. not get over how good this game looks. The pixel art is so beautiful, and just like the effects of like things like the leaves f- flowing across the yeah. screen. Oh it boy. is astounding. <laughs> like it's and it, the the other like this and River in the Moonlight also had incredible animations. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it it just looks incredible. I don't know. I'm curious. Like, what's your? I'm just curious about your thoughts about Moonlight Farewell because I know you're, I, you're so still coming in off it. of. Um, I had played a bunch of Reverie Under the Moonlight um, on your recommendation, and I got very close to finishing it, and then I just dropped it for a long time. So then I bought Moonlit Farewell, but I was like, I want to commit to finishing Reverie Under the Moonlight before I jump into Moonlit Farewell. So I sat down. I only had like an hour left, literally, of Reverie Mm -hmm. Under the Moonlight. Finished it off, um, beat the boss, didn't do the true ending, but like I completed the game. And I had a nice time, and then... I jumped into Reverie Under the Moonlight or uh, into Moonlit Farewell, kind of expecting me to feel the same where it's like, I liked Reverie Under the Moonlight, but I was like, it was a good game. It wasn't a top tier game for me. And then I jumped into Moonlit Farewell and I was immediately surprised by how much of an upgrade it felt like. Even though all the same DNA is there, it just feels like it's been, you know, sharpened and tightened and like, iterated on to perfection and then I just fell into it for like an hour and a half just going down and like trying to explore all these new areas and I really like the power-up system in this game which is a little different from how you like do things in Reverie Under the Moonlight. It feels really good to play. The movement is really nice, uh, gorgeous world. And then uh, my one gripe as I've continuously said to you (laughs) is I actually... Because you have two main attacks in this game, which is like just your, you know, regular attack with like your leaf. And then you have a bow and arrow. I fucking hate how you use the bow and arrow this game, which is you have to push up on the D-pad and then your regular attack button. And in Reverie Under the Moonlight, there were two different buttons and you can't even map 
firing your bow to a new button in Mm -hmm. Moonlit Farewell. And this is my one complaint, and it's so incremental, but I am so fed up with it. But besides that, very good game. Up until the end of the game, I was still accidentally healing when I meant to use the bow, because I just... It just felt like it should be on a different button. It's fucked up that it's on the <laughs> same button that's healing. It's like it's asking yeah. to cause problems. I do love all the weird, like all the small little upgrades, though. Like as someone who does consider Reverie Under the Moonlight to be like a top tier game, like it's a game that I I, lo- I just love the feeling of it. Every time there was a tiny little change for this game, like the sigils, you know, the way those power ups work, or even like the fact that you have like stamina for rolling Every tiny little change felt so huge to me because like Rever in the Moonlight is so mm-hmm. special to me and like I know it so well that it was just like it felt it made it feel like such a new experience just by having these these little tweaks. I was like, oh, the, I have I have mana now. <laughs> like The best amazing. change, the best change in Moonlight for Well is that now you upgrade by talking to a cute cat girl. I love Ceresa. I love that she's named Ceriza. I love that she's named Ceriza. When she asked me if I wanted to have like a snack with her, I was like, yes, literally anything for you. And then it was like, your bond with Ceriza has increased. And I was like, what? Yes, it's so good. I love Ceriza. Isadora is great in this game, too. I, I, get, I mean, I know you, you came in with Reverend of the Moonlight. I don't know if you ever went back and looked at the I old didn't. games at all. I mean, I something that I really loved about Moonlit for Well also is actually that early on at the beginning of the game, um, you talk to somebody who's like, oh, by the way, you have like these notes in your menu that you can look at. And you should absolutely look at them because I think mm-hmm. this is probably the first game in the series that most people will play, even though this is like the end of the story. And there's like three notes that they have you and it's essentially just summarizing the three games that came before but yeah i know isadora is one of the previous protagonists yeah which is great to see yeah you play as isadora in the first game you play as her in the first game you end up getting turned into a demon queen and then the point of the second game is to purify her yeah yeah and so she's back as like an ally in this one and she's so good i love her design i just love she's just so good yeah, just a just a hell of a game. That was like largely, I think, why I wanted to talk about Metroidvanias mm-hmm. this week is just to have a good reason to talk about how goddamn good this game yeah. is. Can I just bring up one thing, just because yeah. I think I, I I feel like I want to? Where do we stand on talking about Dark Souls or Souls likes in context of Metroidvanias? Because they're just Metroidvanias in so many ways. Are they? They are. They're. They're. So so clearly just like 3D Metroidvanias. Yeah, in, in a lot of ways. ways. I don't know. I mean, here's my argument for it. It has to do with player knowledge accruing over time, mechanically and in the knowledge of the map in so many ways, because especially in the earlier games, I think there's much more retreading of space or looping back, like opening yeah, shortcuts, looping, looping back. back. Yeah. Um, the thing I think about specifically is I have much more of a knowledge of like Yarnum from Bloodborne in the mm. same in the same way that I feel like I have a knowledge of Hollow Knight, where it's like Yarnum specifically for me feels like it truly feels like a city that is so interconnected across its the entire game where as you progress through Bloodborne, so often I feel like you're just looping back to places you've been or uncovering new areas in places you've passed. And it's like, oh, 
I, you know, started in the in like the old town or whatever. And I happened to find that you can go down to the sewer and the sewer, sewer connects to this area and you go back mm-hmm. up to this church. And then later in the game, you'll find out you also pass the church again. It's like, there's all that. There's the accruing of knowledge of mechanics, less about like getting new powers, but there's a That's, similar, it's, I mean, yeah. I don't, I wouldn't say they're exactly Metroidvanias, but like they are absolutely taking so much of what a metro- Metroidvania is. Totally. I think the last point is what makes them like cousins as opposed to like siblings, you know, where I think in a Metroidvania, it's important that you gain new abilities that let you unlock parts of uh, areas you've already been to. Whereas in Dark Souls or like Souls Likes, it's not about abilities. It's about unlocking shortcuts and stuff. Mm -hmm. Where So in like in the Souls Like games, it's like you find a shortcut and then it's just unlocked. Whereas in a Metroidvania, you have to kind of also figure out how to apply this ability you have to unlocking new paths. I think you're totally right, though, about the like the story aspect of it, where it's like this history kind of builds up as you play it. Yeah, I, so that's I think that's Metroidvania talk. I have been playing a couple others that I just want to like quickly just shout Run out. Through. Yeah, I think these are less like. Hollow Knight is like the elemental Metroidvania for me, where it's like (laughs) everything in it is like key to what makes a Metroidvania good. Like it is Mm -hmm. a not stripped down, but it is like it's not like it's not reinventing the wheel. It's just doing this thing to absolute perfection. I do also just because we keep mentioning, I do want to bring up the wildest part of the Lost Crown. I know what you're going to say. It literally just includes the Mantis Lord's fight. I still, I need to send you this video that I took. I still haven't sent it to you, I don't think. You just fight, there's a, the, you fight the Mantis Lords in this game. It's God. insane how The fight how much is so they good, take. though. It's so good. But yeah, there's a fight where there's like, the boss will like jump and cling onto the wall and then and throw then just this go like across. spinning thing. And I was like, oh, that's just like from the Mantis Lords. And then they do the thing where there's like multiple versions of of the boss. Mm-hmm. They're like dropping in from the top and like zooming in at you from the sides. It's just the Mantis Lords. It's it's wild how they just took that fight. Anyway, um, there are some other games that I've been that I've played that are like Metroidvanias that like add different elements of those. Dust is one which is a really good like has a very like technical combat system the one that i want to talk about though is ender lilies which i don't do you know this game no i don't think so i'm gonna look it up yeah it felt like it had a bit of an audience when it first came out and then it kind of dropped off it's a game i'm sorry the full name is actually ender lilies colon quietus of the nights this is true this is true uh ender lilies you play as it's like it's a very um the map is very simple, but I think it does have the thing where it's like, it makes a lot of sense. Like the map is like very logical, but it is very simple. Like it's mostly just like a, a branching path as opposed to this huge world map. But you play as this little girl who is the like she's called the white priestess. She's in this like white dress. She's like very, you know, there's all this dark soulsy like there's the blight and the princess that can purify. It has that kind of like accumulating knowledge thing. But she's this little girl who, like, can't fight. Like, she's just a kid. Even, like, when you dodge, it's not a dodge roll. She just kind of, like, jumps onto her belly and, like, to, like, avoid attacks. And so instead of gaining new abilities that she has, you gain these sort of spirits that fight for you. 
So your attack button, she doesn't attack a like a knight with a sword appear like the spirit appears and attacks for her while she kind of like backs up, which makes it a very kind of like deliberate combat system where you're not doing these crazy combos because you were like stuck in place while this happens. And then throughout the game, as you beat like bosses and other major enemies, those become your abilities. The next one you get is this like uh, like nun who has a giant flail and you can summon her. So one of your attacks becomes you hit the button and she stands in place and swings the flail around and you can just do whatever as she's doing that. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a just an interesting iteration on the thing where it's not like playing with the Metroidvania format so much. It's just like, what can we do in this space? And what they do is like make a really interesting combat system. It's the, there's a game that came out a couple years ago called Little Noah, which uses like basically the exact same thing, except you're collecting a lot more of these abilities and like sort of chaining them together is what makes it interesting. Yeah, you were just telling me about this game. We were talking about this like yesterday because they also developed Grand Blue Fantasy, which is a game that's coming out soon, which I'm looking forward to. And I think Little Noah is pretty overlooked. Uh, I thought it was really good. Not related to what we're talking about, but it, it just, you know, it it is it feels like an iteration of Ender Lilies. But yeah, I don't know. There's some interesting stuff to do with the formula. I yeah. think I, it's I'm generally curious, a very interesting genre. Just because we're talking about Metroidvanias and we haven't talked about it, uh, how much of Metroid or Castlevania have you played? I haven't played most of the new Metroids. I mean, I loved Super Metroid as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that game is awesome. Metroid Fusion, I played a bunch when I was little. That game also rules. Uh, I love Metroid Prime. I actually have the remaster and haven't played it at all, just because like Same. that's how it always goes. Yeah. And then for Castlevania, yeah, like I played the original and and you know I was like it's it's fine. It was just like a Nintendo game that I had. Well, I mean, I mean, if we're gonna be like semantic about it, I know people talk about the like the that's not a castle. That's not a Metroidvania. Yes. I I love Symphony of the Night. Uh, mm-hmm. I think it's like it's kind of it's like been surpassed by other games that are like doing the same mm-hmm. thing. But I still I got the like re-released one a few years ago and it, like it's still great. Like it's it's a really good yeah. game for me. My history with Metroid and Castlevania are mostly with the Game Boy Advance, which like mm-hmm. I've only learned about later. Like now that I, you know, write more about games and I know more about them is like kind of awesome because they were kind of killing it on the Game Boy Advance, like Aria of Sorrow uh, for Castlevania Mm -hmm. and obviously Metroid Fusion. Those game rip on Castlevania. And I was just thinking about this because I was um, I was writing an article and this came up. Have you played Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? Yeah, a little bit. Um, Thoughts? (laughs) Not not enough to like really Uh have much of an opinion about it. I remember being not like, I don't know, it didn't grab when me did enough you that I was like, I need to Did you play it. it like around when it came out? Because I know this was a game that had like a w- weird history where like people were super excited about it and then it released and people were kind of like, this game kind of sucks. But then they kind of over time fixed it and now people yeah, like it more. Yeah, I think there has been some major changes to it mm-hmm. since I've played it. I was just like, dabbling in yeah. it when I got my PlayStation 5 because it's like one of the games you can get on PS Plus. And I was dabbling with it and I was like, this is enjoyable enough. I like it. I like the I like the combat system. You know, I mean, it was made by Koji Igarashi. Yeah. You can obviously tell the like Symphony of the Night vibes going on. And I like that. So, yeah, man, what, what is what are they doing with Castlevania over at Konami? 
else? What are they doing with anything over at Konami? It's, it's Konami, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. They just can't catch a break. Really? I don't know. I hear uh, their pachinko machines are pretty good. <laughs> good for them. Yeah, I mean, that's Metroidvanias. That's <laughs> And that's that is Metroidvania. the beginning and end of Metroidvanias. We covered mm-hmm. it all. We talked about them all. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else? Uh, yeah, I mean, the other stuff that I've been up to, you you played Prince of Persia, and then you had free time to play Momodora. I started Momodora, and then I had to review a game, so I stopped playing mm-hmm. Momodora, uh, because I played and reviewed uh, another Code Recollection, which is a remake of another Code Two Memories on the DS, and another Code R... A Journey into Lost Memories on the Wii. And they, uh, the second game, Journey into Lost Memories, never got a release in the Americas. So this is the first time that game is being playable in, in the Americas. And they remade these games and bundled them together. And I reviewed it and it was really, really weird. Um, <laughs> I hadn't played the original games, but I did a lot of like research into looking at them. And I watched some playthroughs and read some walkthroughs and old reviews of them. Um and the thing that I was struck by with the remake is that it's fine. Like, as a game, it's fine. The story isn't incredible. The gameplay is pretty simple. It's mostly just puzzle solving and then some like visual novel sections. Uh, there are a couple things that the game adds. Uh, it adds full voice acting which I honestly don't think is a boon. I think the voice acting wasn't very good. Also, the voice acting is too slow for me. And I think you should just, I just wanted to read through things. Oh, yes. You you told me this before. Yeah. Where you were like, you're, you you liked uh, Jonathan Sims in Slay the Princess because his pace matched your reading speed. Yeah. And then um, the other thing it adds is like a hint system, which I do like. I, I'm happy that it added more accessibility with a hint system. I just don't think this game needed a hint system because mm-hmm. the puzzles have been so simplified and they're very, very easy, which kind of brought me to like the main thing that I thought about with this review, which was um, the story of Another Code has a lot to do with protagonist Ashley Mizuki Robbins, like thinking of memory and like how memories impact us and how do we remember things correctly and like what happens if your memories are like altered. And it's a game about memory. And I was really curious about that for a remake because what is a remake if not like the way we preserve a game's memory um, nowadays? Uh, because like preservation is basically like non-existent in video games, but with the prevalence of video game remakes, that's kind of how we keep a game alive and like preserve its memory. But with another code, there were a lot of complexities into how this game had into how both of these games had to be remade. Which was number one, they were a DS game and a Wii game, which Games on those platforms are so linked to the like specific mechanics and capabilities of the hardware. It's like you have the double screen on the DS and the ability to tap it. And then with Mm -hmm. the Wii, you have the motion controls. And while the Switch could do some of the things that the Wii does, 
And you would think that because in handheld handheld mode, it has a touchscreen, you would think it could do some of the stuff the DS could because the entire game has to be playable in both handheld and Mm -hmm. on the TV. It doesn't do justice to either the DS's mechanics or the Wii's mechanics. So there's like no real motion control puzzles and there's no real touchscreen puzzles So all the puzzles are incredibly simplified into entirely new mechanics where it's basically just walk around, pick up an item, find where you need to like put that item, kind of rinse and repeat. And it loses a lot of the like what people talk about as being special about the original releases. On top of that, they change around some of the narrative and some of the structure and some of the puzzle order. And it's so weird because now... Because you can't really play another Code 2 Memories, and you especially in the U.S. can't play another Code R, A Journey into Lost Mm -hmm. Memories, now the only experience people are likely to have with both of these games is this remake. But this remake bears such little resemblance to the original that it essentially erases the memory of what these games actually were, and it creates a new narrative about them. And that's, like, I think incredibly dangerous and, like, the massive flaw of remakes versus preservation. And that's kind of what I wrote about. But that was the other big thing that I played. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. It feels so dangerous to make a remake of a game that's about altering memories. Like, you're just asking for... (laughs) Um, But, you know, I mean, it's a a killer review. Like, it's... uh, I think you to to heap some praise on you that will make you uncomfortable because uh, I'm looking right at you. Um, you're really good at like taking the themes of a game and using them to talk about the game as like a a thing that exists in the world, like applying what, what a game says to what a game is for the player. Uh, and it's just like, this is just such a good example of that. It's like, it's such a smart take. Uh, Highly recommend reading Willis review of this game. It's it's <laughs> it's very good. But yeah, I don't know. That that's such an interesting thing that they it's such a weird couple of games to remake at all because of those mechanics. And it's then really to just like strip the puzzles that use them out is is just such a strange choice. It's like they're not hugely popular games. They're cu- they have a cult status, which obviously was enough to get them remade, but the thing that mm-hmm. made them cult games was what specifically was being done on the ds and the wii and then the remake actually just doesn't do that (laughs) yeah it feels like fans of the originals are going to go like well that one was better and people who are playing this for the first time are going to go well this is kind of mediocre Mm -hmm. it's just a very strange position that it's in yeah i mean i'm i have always like banged the drum of being mostly anti-remake in favor Mm -hmm. of preservation and i just think this was like a really interesting case study into like why remakes can have bad like can have really negative implications for like the industry memory at large in a way that i don't think we talk about too much mm-hmm. yeah um the only other thing that i want to talk about that i did uh was i went to a concert uh for genshin impact Mm-hmm. The Genshin Concert 2023 at Carnegie Hall, famously from the opening of hit Square Enix title Parasite <laughs> Eve. 
Yeah, I can't believe they built a whole concert hall just to as a reference to Parasite Eve. It's More wild. people should do that because it's such a good <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, I went to this concert. It was not good. <laughs> it was weird. I really enjoy going to like events like this that mm-hmm. kind of give a fan base for a game, a more like physical connection to the digital world that they love. And um, my big takeaway, I wrote a big article about this that I am very proud of and I think you should go read. But you should. My, my big takeaway was like, the music of Genshin Impact is really good. And it's really good at helping like set the stage of what the characters in the world are. And the concert just didn't go to didn't do a good job of communicating that. And it also made a lot of questionable choices in how, like, what music and what nations in Genshin Impact were given time. It's very questionable. Yeah, there's a lot of intricacies to, like, why there were problems with it. Um, and I get into those in the article. But, yeah, needless to say, I kind of came out of being like, that was weird. Yeah, it was very interesting hearing, like, the what's going on in the background that made it such a strange experience. Like there's a lot of, yeah, it's just a weird thing. The way that they chose to handle what feels like a pretty big deal of a concert. Yeah. I think that's mostly it from me though. Cool. Do we have anything else or, uh, is there anything else you've been up to lately that you want to shout out? Yeah. I mean, I guess we talked about pretty much all the games that I, can talk about anyway. The other stuff that I'm playing is for work and I can't talk about it yet. So I guess uh, I'll just end with, I have been watching a new show for the past couple of days. It's just on, I was just kind of like out of things to watch on, on Crunchyroll and it was just like looking. So they had a section that was like, I don't know, maybe the best shows of 2023 or like the new slate for this year or something. There was like mm-hmm. a featured whatever. And there was a show that looked interesting. Started watching. It's called Do It Yourself. Do you know this show? I haven't watched it, but I know about it. Oh my God. You should watch it. It's so good. It was, was another one of the just... shows that I kind of. Was... No, I was just talking with Zoe earlier today about being like, should we watch this? We don't really have much. You should watch it. I, it was another show that I put on just to kind of have on in the background while I like ate dinner or whatever. And I. Got obsessed with it immediately. Uh, it's such a cute show. So it's about like, there's the main character is named Yua Serifu, which is a play on yourself when it's like in, you know, set in like the context of like the Japanese sentence, which they get a lot of mileage out of in the first couple episodes. They like keep making the joke. But she is like this very weird, clumsy, just kind of bizarre girl. And she lives next door to her childhood best friend who is now kind of like pulling away. She's like pulled away from her. She kind of, her her neighbor now is like looking down on her because she, she thinks she's like weird and a dork. And her neighbor, who's, she calls Purin, which is not her name, but that's what she calls her, goes to this like high school for smart special girls where they learn about like advanced technology shit. And Yua just goes to like regular girls high school. And Yua joins the the DIY club um, and Perrin like looks down on that because she's like a technology, you know, AI, whatever weirdo person. And so the show is just about like Yua and these other girls who join this club, like making stuff and having fun together. And like 
there's some it's interesting in that like a lot of the times when they're like making something it will basically become like a tutorial of how to make that thing like it goes into like lots of detail which is so cute but it's also like it's a very fun show and just has this really cool like lighthearted tone to it but all of the characters are also like have like such depth to them they will go into stuff like there's one girl who was like never really had friends before and like joining this club is like the first time she's ever felt like accepted there's another character who's like mourning like her like a you know a parent and like there's so much stuff that it like it does a really good job of delving into these like deeper things without ever like bringing the tone down or like bringing the show to a halt to be like now let's get serious like it's integrated so well and it's also it's just like so fun the characters are great and as i watch more it's also become about like these two girls who used to be friends like sort of reconnecting like the girl who has sort of like been pushing yua aside starts to like realize that like she still loves this person and is like trying to get closer to her again and it's just like it's so sweet and so heartwarming also, Pern's mom is very hot. You'll you'll appreciate that when you meet her. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's great. I don't know. I really love it. It's like it's such a just such a sweet, like nice feeling show. Um, I've just been enjoying it so much. So yeah, highly, highly, highly recommend that. Uh, but yeah, I guess if that's uh, if that's the end for you, I was going to say I, I thought you were going to be like, oh, do you have anything else? You just said you didn't have anything else. <laughs> well, I meant never mind. Oh, well, what okay. I was going to shout else? out is the thing that <laughs> Zoe and I did decide to put on today is we started watching Heaven's Official Blessing, which you can watch on Netflix or Crunchyroll. We are deep in it now. We have watched. Okay. We like started like three hours ago and then we watched four episodes in a row. We really <laughs> like it. Um I don't really know how to like sell it too much. It's about the it's about this guy who's basically like a prince slash god from like heaven, and he has to go down to the mortal world to like do tasks and stuff. Um, <laughs> sure, pick and up groceries. He might be falling in love with a sexy demon man. Oh yes, uh, it's great. <laughs> I think you could even get into the show. That sounds good. Um, the main guy is an absolute delight he's such a little scamp um but the great thing about it is i know uh you have like such restrictions about what you what you can watch and i know this has like this this barely has like any women in it although it does have one and she is awesome but i'm going to show you the main characters and i think you can get on board with watching this show okay i don't think it's a restriction to say that i want women in the shows that i watch these are the two main characters. I'm just realizing I I think there's only one man in this in Do It Yourself. And it's one of the girls' dads. Which is perfect. These are the two that fall in love. Yeah. Yeah, that's cute. I we can get this. on board with them. I sh- I ship we can, them hard. Yes. We support I love them. them. We're allies. Um, it's a very fun show. Um I didn't expect to like it as much as I do. Like four episodes in, I'm very sold. I, it's a, it's a delightful show. I really think it's fun, and I think people should try it. I know it's on or just finished its second season, um, but yeah, nice. Is the style of this like poster representative of the show at all? It's very pretty. Uh yeah, I'd say that's fairly representative. Nice. Yeah, that's the other thing about uh, I get do it yourself. It's a very unique style. It has almost kind of a sketchy look to it, like. <laughs> There's a there's just a very loose style that it has that's really I I really really dig. Anyway, yeah, that sounds is, good. Is I'll, that I'll it now? That now is that everything? I yeah, I think I'm out of things. If okay, you are. cool. Well, that'll be it for 
us this week on Girl Mode. You can listen to the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find us on various social medias, um, some form of Girl Mode Pod. We'll link our stuff in the show notes. You can email us questions at girlmodepod at gmail.com. We're still taking questions all the time. Um, Mm -hmm. If we get enough, maybe we'll do a questions episode or something. Uh, You can also ask questions on co-host. That's an option. You can find me on socials at the Willero. And you can find me at Robin Bombas. And you can find us in Final Fantasy XI on the Bahamut server. Yeah. <laughs> we should drop our names and stuff. People should Just look absolutely for a, look for get a in. tall elf and her cat girl sidekick. <laughs> uh, okay. So do you think I'm allowed back now, like officially? Uh, I think we'll put it up to a vote. We'll let the listeners decide. Um. <laughs> I do. I do not trust putting it up to a vote. <laughs> no, because I think I all either. these fucking assholes are gonna be like, Zoe should take over. I think they would vote you off just to troll you. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, uh, you're all stuck with me. Maybe next year we'll see how uh, how good Zoe's predictions are. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, glad to have you back. Sure. See everybody next week. <laughs> Bye. Okay. Um, do you want to clap at 20? Yeah, sure. Fantastic. Big, long runway. Mm-hmm. I got so much time to fuck Just around. Boop, doop, boop. We have to really give me uh, a lot of like lead in now because it's like I'm just coming back. I don't know what's up. Okay, let's do 40 because you talked that whole time and I need space to see the clap. Oh, I thought you meant never mind. What did you <laughs> wait 20 minutes? What did you think I meant? So my mind broke a little, and I thought you meant two o'clock. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. That makes, yeah. That's my cool new way of referring to two o'clock. I just call it 20. Listen, listen, I don't know, okay? It just... It makes, I understand it. I'm bad. I, I My brain doesn't understand numbers either. I would have made that same yeah. assumption. Um, cool. <laughs>